Church, let us do this, something very important. We need to anchor ourselves in the Word of God as we move into a time of prayer. So, if you would, let us put our eyes to uh, this uh, text from Mark, a passage or two here that I want us to read to prepare our spirits for prayer. Let us go there now. Let us read these words uh, responsibly. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, Go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Amen and amen. Let us go to the Lord in prayer, church. And as we do, O God, I pray that you give us the power and the anointment to see not just with our eyes, O God, but to see, Lord, with our hearts. To see with our hearts, O God. We come to you this day. We come to you this morning with so many things that claim our time, our energy, our resources, and our daily lives. We spend so much time, O oh God, seeing with our eyes only when you ask us to see with our hearts too. We are easily, Lord, drawn away from serving you by the enticements of the world for ease and for comfort. It's eye candy that we see, but are we truly seeing with our hearts? Lord, you seek to transform our lives from captivity to freedom in witness and in service. We look at this world in which we see with our eyes. And in this world, O oh God, there is much strife and anger and hatred, and easily we can become overwhelmed by the needs and its stresses. Lord, we see with our eyes. You ask us to see as well with our hearts. So help us, O oh God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Give us spiritual guidance and spiritual clarity, Lord. Help us to place our lives and our trust in you, not in ourselves alone, but in you, knowing that you will be our help, knowing, O oh God, that many wonderful things can be accomplished which will provide hope and peace for others and ourselves, that seeing not just with our eyes, but also seeing with the eyes of our heart. So give us courage and strength this day to truly be your disciples, for we ask this in Jesus' name, who gave us the Lord's Prayer, a prayer that we can abide by and know that it will be our daily manna each and every day. Let us now say the Lord's Prayer together as the body of Christ. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen and amen. Church, I'm going to ask if you would to please stand out of respect for the good news of the gospel, which this morning is coming from the gospel of Luke, the 10th chapter, verses 46 through 52. Hear now these words, but church, allow me to pray over this your word, O God. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, as these words are read and proclaimed in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that through the anointment of the Holy Spirit, we can make these words apply to everyday life so that we can walk hand in hand with our Lord and Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. Picking up with verse 46 of the 10th chapter of Mark. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 48, be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man, cheer up, they said, come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Church, this is the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. And you may be seated. Church, I've got to uh, share with you that uh, this text uh, is a part of the a weekly lectionary text, uh, and I was very happy about that because uh, this uh, happens to be one of my favorite uh, scripture texts. We all uh, have our favorites in, in the Word of God. I know Dr. Day has favorites in the Word of God that, that he goes to. So, so when I saw that this text was part of the selection for this Sunday, I, 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 got, I got very excited. So what, what I wanted to do uh, is unpack it with you because I think there is so much there for you and I uh, to hear and just to apply uh, in, in our daily lives. So let's, let's pick up with verse uh, 46 here. Uh, it says this, Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd 
followed him. And I'll, and I'll stop there. Um, let, let me just point something out here. It says this, then they reached Jericho. So Jericho uh, is considered one of the oldest civilizations on planet Earth. Okay, uh, very important, very key, a beautiful city to, to, to see, to visit, to, to know about, because the proclamation is that it, it's one of the absolute oldest, and it's right here in Scripture. Well, what, what I wanted to share with you this uh, morning is simply this. There's a geographical theology that I wanted to talk to you about here, okay? Uh, There's no mere coincidence that uh, Jericho is mentioned here, that Jesus is stopping here before he goes elsewhere, and here's why. Because Jesus' next spot, his next sojourn, his next travel will be to Jerusalem, for he will be entering into the final days of his ministry. You see, he's got his eye, church, on the cross at Calvary. But something has to happen here uh, in Jericho and then him leaving Jericho so that he can go and finish his redemptive work on the cross. So I want you to know that Jericho uh, is a fascinating city, but also here it's no mistake that Jericho is mentioned because this is the last healing ministry, if you will, okay, before he enters into the gates of Jerusalem in his final day. So I, I wanted you to know uh, about Jericho. Let, let me pick up here with verse 46. It says, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. Okay? That's key, church, and here's why. Because in any of the gospels that you and I read, we notice that Jesus has a crowd okay, that is following him. You want to know why he's got a crowd? Because the people who are following Jesus believe in this man. They see something in Jesus, okay, that not even the Pharisees, the learned people of that day, see. He's healing, you see. He's teaching. He's doing the works of of God, and therefore he's got, you know, as we would say today, a fan club, fanfare, right? He's got people that want to know more because this man is the anointed one. He's been sanctified to do the work of God, and people know that, and they're hearing about that, and they're seeing that, and they're experiencing that. So Jesus has this crowd. He's got this following. There's a lot of energy that's building around Jesus in his final days. I'm going to pick up with 46B. We're going to continue here. It says this, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. Church, that's very important, and here's why. You can read through the Gospels and know this, that many of the men and women, both, that Jesus heals, guess what? Their names are never mentioned, if you think about it. 
It just simply says in the gospel text that a man or a woman was healed. But when you actually have a name attached to that individual, pay attention to that, okay? That's very, very important. So, so let, let, let me just offer why. Okay, so Bartimaeus, the blind beggar, whom Jesus will heal, just a few verses uh, in our scripture text, also has a father. Did you catch that name? Timaeus. Timaeus, son of Timaeus. His father, Timaeus. In my research, so Timaeus apparently is a person of notoriety. He's got significance in the community. He's someone quite possibly of wealth. He's someone who's very connected. So Timaeus is that notable figure, okay? And because he's notable, okay, with him comes, of course, a family, a family tree. His son then, Bartimaeus, is mentioned because this is a family of some significance that the writer wants you to know about. And that's really all we know. Maybe he was some sort of tradesman. Maybe he was in some sort of other profession, okay? But he was someone of means. And the writer here in this gospel wants you to know that. But we build on top of that. So that's why Bartimaeus and Timaeus were mentioned, that Mark the one, the gospel writer that quite frankly gave a lot of detail and thoughtfulness to his writing wants us to know Timaeus and Bartimaeus, they are people who he wants you to know about. That's why he mentions their names. So this Bartimaeus character, he's sitting beside the rose. Now, now, now visualize that for a moment, okay? Quite frankly, Bartimaeus is sitting beside the road. So there is a very good chance that this man is alone. And I want you to know that he has no crowd. He has no fanfare. He is all alone. And if he's sitting on the ground, that means that quite frankly, he's dirty. He's dirty. And quite frankly, people don't want to be around him because he smells and he's dirty. So he's not only blind, and by the way, the thought in that day and time, if you have some sort of affirmity like blindness, well, that goes back in your history of some sort of sin that was committed that led to your blindness, okay? That was the thought in that day and time. So you think about it, Bartimaeus, he's got a lot of strikes against him, okay? He's alone. He's blind. He's thought of as someone who's got this sin who has blinded him in some way. He's just a man that's literally down on his luck, and we know people like that, okay? We know people like that. So kind of keep, keep that image in your head. I'm going to pick up uh, with verse 47 here. It says this, when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, ah, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Ah, okay. This is very important, okay? Bartimaeus is blind, you see? 
but he knows about this man Jesus. He cannot see with his eyes, but he can see with his heart. And what does he see? Well, not only does he hear that Jesus is coming to town and coming near to him, but he's got such uh, joy about that. He's got such energy surrounding about that. He shouts out, Jesus' name. Now, here's the very important thing that I want you to know when he shouts out with joy and an exultation, okay, that he says, Jesus, son of David. Let me stop right there. Church, that's important, and here's why. Because although Bartimaeus is blind, he cannot see in his heart. He can see with the eyes of his heart. And he knows who this man Jesus is when his own disciples and the Pharisees, who were quote-unquote the learned people of the day, couldn't get it about Jesus, you see. They talked about Jesus like he was anything but the Son of God. So Bartimaeus, the outcast, the one who had so many strikes against him, knows who this Jesus is. He is the son of David, Scripture says. He comes from this long line that led, of course, to the birth of the Messiah, Jesus. And Bartimaeus sees this while Jesus' own inner core, the disciples and the Pharisees do not. He's seeing church with his heart, and he's seeing who Jesus is. He says this, have mercy on me. That tells us a very important clue that Bartimaeus knows that Jesus can heal. Jesus can heal the heart. Jesus can heal the affirmity. Jesus can bring someone who's lost to be found in the glory and in the grace of God. Let me pick up here. Verse 48, so typical here. It says this, be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. You you know, church, when, when children or grandchildren are getting loud and they're getting obnoxious, you just quietly escort them out, right? That's that's what we do because you want to be you want to be polite, you want to be respectful of others. What about in this text here? Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder. When the children shout louder, right? What are you tempted to do then? Well, we'll just bring them home, right, out of courtesy. But not in this particular case, okay? They didn't bring Bartimaeus home. He just got more energy. He got more volume here, and he says this. He says, Son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 49, here's where it gets interesting, church. When Jesus heard him, he stopped, and he said, tell him to come here. Ah, the invitation, church, the invitation that Jesus is constantly putting out there to you and I. Tell him, tell her to come here. Come, 
come to me. Are we listening for that? Are we looking for that invitation from Jesus in an everyday kind of way? Don't just see with your eyes and hear with your ears. See and hear from your heart too. And here's where it's going to pay off, church. Verse 49c, it says this, so they called the blind man, cheer up. They said, come on, he's calling you. Here's my point of this whole sermon, church. Verse 50, Bartimaeus threw aside his coat. He jumped up and he came to Jesus. He threw aside his coat. Some translations say coat. Other translations say cloak. You see, Bartimaeus Church throws off his cloak and makes us wonder if it wasn't the cloak the whole time that was keeping this man from getting up in the first place. You see, for the cloak of a beggar is his most prized possession. Think about it in this way. The cloak for a beggar is the beggar's home, it's the beggar's blanket, it's the beggar's wealth, and it's not insignificant that the law, in fact, the law of Moses prohibited taking the beggar's cloak away for more than a day. Here's the meat and potatoes right here, church. Pay close attention to this. Sometimes the things that we are most attached to are the very things that are holding us back. Did you hear that? That is so important. I'm going to repeat it. Sometimes the things that we are most attached to are the very things that are holding us back. For Bartimaeus, it was that cloak. For years and years, this man sat alone in the dirt, heavily weighed down by this cloak. Bartimaeus' cloak possibly was his only possession. The Scripture doesn't say that, but we can draw a conclusion there. He threw it aside, the gospel tells us. And what did he do? He ran to Jesus who could give him then everything that he needed and then more. Let me pick up here. I'm going to verse 51 here. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. Church, Jesus knew the answer to that question. He just wanted Bartimaeus to be able to say it. He was empowering Bartimaeus, say what you need. Say what you need. Because here it comes, I'm going to give it to you. Verse 52, and Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Here it is, church. Instantly, not 
the day after or two months later, but instantly, Scripture says, the man could see, and what did he do? He followed Jesus down the road. Church, all of that was possible because Bartimaeus took that coat off of his body, and that allowed him to get up. So I'm going to put this on your heart as we bring the sermon to a close. What is your cloak? What is your coat that is weighing you down to the point where you cannot get up? For someone else that you cannot get up for Jesus, what is heavily weighing you down right now? What is that coat for you? Is it the coat of anger? Is it the coat of bitterness? Is it the coat of unforgiveness? Is it the coat that's been blanketing you for so long now that you're just used to it? But the only problem is that coat has weighed you down for so long. You can't get up. You can't get up. I'm going to invite you, church, that in the name of Jesus Christ, whatever that coat or many coats are weighing heavy on you, in the name of Jesus Christ, in our Savior's name, I'm giving you permission to take the coat off today so you can get up so you can get up and go with Jesus and walk with him down the road. Because here's the bottom line, church. Bartimaeus, you think about it. Bartimaeus had everything against him. He was dirty. He was thought to be a sinner. He was alone. He was weighed down, thought of and looked at as an outcast. And when he knew that Jesus was coming down, something got into this man. And he said, I'm taking the coat off today. I'm taking the coat off today. And when he took the coat off, he was able, listen to me, he was able to get up. Not even the heaviest of burden was able to weigh him down any longer. He took the coat off, he got up, and he went with Jesus. Here's the point. There was even a road for Bartimaeus to walk hand in hand with Jesus Christ because he was able to be healed. And that invitation, church, is extended to you and I this day. I'm giving you permission, church, as your pastor who loves you and who cares about you, take the coat off so you can stand up once again, mighty and proud, and walk hand in hand with our Lord and Savior who loves you. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, sometimes, Lord, we just need assurance. We need reassurance that it's okay, 
that it's okay that we've been given permission to take the coat off that's been heavy burdening us, that's been weighing upon us for way too long. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, whatever that code is this day, I pray, Lord, that we know in our hearts that can see and hear the Lord that you want that. You want the best. You want, Lord, to be one with us this day. But it starts by taking the coat off, getting up, and going. That can be done in Jesus because Jesus is the King and the Lord and the Maker and provider of miracles. We believe in Jesus so we can get up. We can get up and go. Lord, that is your gospel word and your gospel testimony for us this day. Bless your word and bless us as we stand firm on what we believe and who we are with you. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.